at first I was fighting it. I was like, oh no, here we go. This is happening. Hang on here. Uh, and eventually I allowed myself to kind of surrender to the moment. And as soon as I did that, I was looking up at the stars and I saw what could only be a trillion small little red, green, and blue dots moving through everything. And I just felt this overwhelming presence. And while it was significantly intimidating, um, the presence wasn't something that was outside of me. It was also inside. And for a moment in time, I understood space and the concept of space. Welcome to Psychedelic Diaries. I'm Ray Christian, and this episode will perk up your day. Today we'll be discussing psychedelic surprises, the power of telling your story, and of course, experiences on high doses of psychedelics. Hisu Cho from Sabi Mind will be here for a deep dive and a soul search. But first, as usual, let's kick things off with a nugget and a noodle. And today's news nugget, how to change the world's mind. Michael Pollan is releasing a How to Change Your Mind documentary on psychedelics. And his book with the same name may have changed the course of history. Very curious to see what the live action version may do. It's coming soon on Netflix in July. And as for the noodle, something I've been noodling on of late, be loud about your psychedelic experience. It's Pride Month and the evolution of gay rights is a paragon of change and a flat out inspiration. In 2008, the left-leaning President Obama was against gay marriage. Fast forward to today, and gay marriage has federal protection. We have pride parades nationwide, and corporations are tripping over themselves to show their support. All this in just 14 years. Steve Martin once quipped, be so good they can't ignore you. The LGBT community did just that with their activism, parades, and social media, and perhaps decided to also be so loud, they can't ignore you. There's something brave about coming out, one of the few things in life that's irreversible. And the psychedelic community could learn from the LGBT community. If you're a psychonaut and want to see change, lead by example and take that irreversible leap. Talk about your experience and your why. Talk about your origin story and the changes you've seen. Talk about your preferred compound and dosages. Talk about the beauty and the challenges. I get it. It's hard. I spent years hiding it. And now that I'm out, there are some jobs I will never get. And yet, two things happened. Number one, I felt a weight lifted. And two, others have shared that my story helped them tell theirs. Malcolm Gladwell wrote, sometimes big changes follow from small events. And sometimes these changes can happen very quickly. Your story might just be one of those small events. So how can you get comfortable getting loud and telling your story? Something to noodle on. Our next guest is the founder and CEO of Sabi Mind, a growing network of Canada clinics and one of my favorite snowboarding partners, Hisu Cho. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Ray. It's a pleasure to be here. Okay, Hisu, you and I, we're snowboarding on an untouched mountain in Calgary, talking about profound experiences on psychedelics. And I remember you quit. 
man, I love talking about this. What makes you say that? First of all, what an experience and what a pleasure, a memory that I'll definitely cherish for the rest of my life. I think, you know, if nothing else, I'll take any opportunity to contemplate the human existence. And with you and I, I think we found a common bond between, you know, the potential psychedelics has uh, and the role it'll play in that contemplation. You know, I think the healing potential of psychedelics is something that is, you know, fascinating to to industry uh, participants. Uh, obviously, uh, myself at the Saudi Mind Organization, looking to increase access to psychedelic assisted therapies. But I think if we forward look a little bit, I think we're just scratching the surface of the role psychedelics is going to play in the human existence. Not to say that everybody should be participating and engaging with psychedelics. But I think, you know, in the right situations, we're definitely going to see um, an evolution of, of individuals kind of finding a deeper meaning of their own lives and hopefully uh, through that process, connecting a little deeper with others as well. It's beautifully put. And I love what you're doing at Sabi Mind and also at a granular level, the inspiration behind the name, this idea of the traditional Japanese philosophy of finding beauty in the impermanence or when something breaks in the process of rebuilding it. And I'm curious, as you've launched Sabi Mind and this network of cataclinics, what has surprised you? The general level of curiosity from the community. You know, we all envisioned kind of uh, a harder kind of time engaging in these discussions just around what we're up to. You know, the, the potential of the psychedelic medicine, I think some of the research components, you know, all this stuff that, you know, to us is, is fascinating and, and content that we consume on a daily basis. Um, but for the general population, we're finding that there is a significant increased level of curiosity. Now, I think this is due to uh, a, a wide variety of factors. Obviously, we just got through or still in a pandemic. Um, and those implications on the mental health system and the mental health of individuals is significant. And I think people are, are one, a little more aware of their baseline level of health, uh, but also acknowledging that maybe there are some other different solutions that we can at least contemplate within the system. Hmm. I appreciate that. And it is, it's tough to get a scientific paper on increased curiosity, but it, it just feels like there is a rising tide on this. And I think one of the reasons is because of people like you and he's I want to thank you for being a bold leader, for putting your name out there to, to actually grow the psychedelic industry and put your uh, and devote your career to it, at least this stage of your career. And I had an experience where most of my growth on psychedelics was with psilocybin. And then I tried a full Keta experience for the first time. And I was shocked. And how much it changed me and how powerful it was. And I'm curious for you, how would you describe the difference between the difference in subjective experience with Keta and psilocybin? I think it all comes down to friction for me. I think, you know, when we experience classic psychedelics, there's a bit of a, a point where you're, you're doing a little bit of fighting with the medicine, I should say, and there's a little <laughs> bit of resistance. And, and, you know, obviously surrendering to that moment allows you to experience the the afterglow components of, of those experiences. But with Keta specifically, I found it to be so warm and so gentle. Um, you know, I think, you know, relating the two in a sense of, um, they kind of take you to a similar place in terms of, you know, 
mind expansion kind of changes in perception, uh, a feeling of connectedness, but how you get there is the main difference that I found. And so the journey between psilocybin and Keta, very different, found that, you know, with Keta specifically, it kind of cradled you to this place in a, in a warm and, and safe manner where, you know, there wasn't resistance, you didn't really have to fight it, uh, but it brought to you a place where, you know, you could explore your inner psyche a little further. Um, and, and you were brought to a place where, you know, some of the the components of, you know, uh, the subconscious were open to you in a sense. And so um, I think that for me was the main difference, the way, you know, you get to that place. Um, and, you know, I think for me, I'm still early days with my Keta experiences. I, I'd like to, you know, further that um, self-work. Um, but, you know, what we're seeing from our practice specifically is that, I think there's an opportunity to really acknowledge that different tools for different situations, right? And, and it's so subjective in, in terms of what's going to work for what individual on what basis. And so the sooner we can get regulatory uh, approval for these other substances to be more unilaterally accessible through a medical model, I think the better. Um, I, I think uh, there's obviously a, a lot of training and um, SOPs that kind of need to coincide with the, the development and delivery of these medicines. but uh, the more tools, I think, the better. Right? I like that idea of uh, being cradled. It's almost like sometimes the psilocybin, it's, it's 4K HD. You're reliving it full on, which is good for the good experiences. Maybe not so good when it's a tougher one. It's like, wow, I'm really back in this moment and I can see the granularity of um, what hurts. Whereas with Keta, it was like, you know, it kind of reminded me of like lo-fi hip hop. It's a little bit fuzzy and warm and gentle. It's just a little bit easier that first liftoff perhaps as like maybe training wheels and opening people up to maybe the more uh, accelerated experiences. And what a beautiful thing that it's, it's the one we can do. And it's a little bit gentler and stepping back a little bit, Isu, you know, you're an articulate, sharp, charming guy. You can do a lot of different things if you wanted. What was your thought process as you said, no, yeah, I'm going all in on this. I'm going to do a business in the cataclinic model in psychedelics. Yeah, I lost a close friend and mentor to suicide in 2019, and it was just one of those moments that you wake up and, and, and nothing's the same. You know, daily interactions, daily pursuits, daily relationships. Uh, it, it kind of pushed uh, myself and my community to kind of view our lives from a different vantage point. And, and you know, through that tragic and painful experience, you know, we found a deeper sense of, of meaning in life and a deeper sense of beauty in life. And I think, you know, collectively we made a promise to contribute to the mental health space. Um, in early days, we didn't know what that looked like. Was it, you know, contributing to the existing mental health solutions and systems? Um, we were lucky enough to, to find psychedelic assisted therapies and it was transformative for a lot of us. Not to say that it's going to be transformative for everybody, but for us specifically, it left a, a significant impact. And so, yeah, we, we pivoted and, and realized that we needed to, you know, contribute some way um, to increase access and, and at least increase exposure. So there could be conversation, dialogue, and curiosity within our own communities to at least explore if these types of treatments were right for specific individuals. And I think, you know, through our own healing journeys, we realized that, you know, if nothing else, I think exploring new opportunities, uh, new ways of looking at things provides opportunities for people to 
better understand themselves through that process. And, and for us, that's what it's been about. You know, how do we ensure that we're taking care of ourselves so innately we can help others as well? I had uh, a death in the family, and that led to essentially that was the trigger for me to move from DC to LA. And I've been here now for 10 years. And there's all these platitudes when someone dies. Of course, we all deal with it, but you know, it is a part of life. And, and it does seem like it is an agent of change where it's obviously so traumatic and so painful. And some parts of it are just subjectively just so hard to deal with. And yet without it, a lot of the change we have in our life, we may not have encountered. And so it sounds like that is one of the reasons you're here. Yeah, I think it, it, it showed that, you know, we all have this inner healing intelligence, which is a, a, a topic of, of uh, considerable kind of emphasis in the psychedelic healing space, but also, you know, this baseline level of resiliency. And I don't mean resiliency as in being tough or, you know, sucking it up. I think this resiliency that we're talking about is one that, um, maybe elicits uh, a different kind of uh, approach to dealing with pain and suffering and grief. One in the sense that, you know, like you mentioned, the concept of death, conceptualizing death in a way where, you know, we find peace in it in some way or shape or form. And, you know, because innately, universally, we're all going to face it at some point, uh, allowing that to be a bit of a motivational piece to make your time here a little bit more meaningful, a little bit more impactful. Um, and through that kind of process, really, really doubling down on empathy and compassion and filtering everything through that lens. You know, I think when we make tough decisions in life, if it's, you know, intentioned and grounded in kindness, it's tough to do any wrong. You know what I mean? It's hard to, it's hard to, you know, make a mistake when at the end of the day, you're doing it for uh, a greater sense of compassion and empathy. So I appreciate that that concept, and it's it's almost like the, the Alan Watts concept of death giving life meaning and uh, being that agent of change. And you know, beyond just doing what you're doing, Hisu, with Sabi Mind, you also have talked publicly about your experiences with psychedelics, and I think that's important. As you started to do that, what was your thought process in starting to raise your hand and say, "Yes, I've seen what this can do." For me, it was difficult. You know, I'm typically quite a private individual. You know, my personal life is exactly that. It's personal. I tend to kind of keep to myself when I'm not uh, playing this role for, for Sabi and the organization. And so it, it was a tough process. I think there was, you know, a bit of fear around judgment and, you know, some fears around just, you know, what individuals would think. But I think as I got deeper into my own self-work and healing journey, I realized that, you know, the kind of next step of empathy and compassion is connection, when people find healing and connection. And, uh, you know, a pillar of that connection is, is relatable lived experiences. And so I found that, you know, if I was able to talk a little bit openly about not only the substances I use for healing, but my, my past with substance abuse and, and some of the the, the addiction components that I had in my, in my past life, it, it was in a sense uh, almost liberating for myself. And I think people found that they could also speak freely about um, not only their curiosity, but maybe there's some of their experimenting or some of their lived experiences. And I think that sharing piece is what uh, really drives me to open up because even to this day, it's not easy for me to open up about it, but it's a work in progress. And I think 
the driving force behind it is is that connection piece, uh, you know, allowing others to kind of, you know, um, I guess not so much about allowing others, but them allowing themselves to open up as well. And so that's that's the I guess the driving force behind why I share my experiences. I appreciate that vulnerability. I had I was very sick when I was in my late teens, early twenties, and I wouldn't tell anybody about it because I felt like a lemon. And that sickness actually led to a 10-year addiction to, to sleeping pills. And I didn't really tell anybody about it for a decade. And and because uh, I was ashamed. And I started telling people about it. And all these beautiful things started happening. And it's it seems like people seem to really appreciate vulnerability and they appreciate a good Joseph Campbell Hero's journey comeback story. And so thank you for what you're doing. And um, one of the things I think has given me perspective on sharing is the transcendent experience. So I uh, would love to take a stab at that together. We've done this a little bit on Fortress Mountain, but I'll share a quick story. I'll kick it to you. Uh, Hisu, I had an experience on three and a half grams of magic mushrooms where <laughs> it felt like my soul was being installed into my avatar, like one of those Detroit car manufacturing machines that takes the door and installs it on the car and then pulls it off and then, and then does the next car. And it was my soul or my consciousness being installed into the human avatar, except it pulled it in and out a few times as if to say, do you get it now, Ray? <laughs> and that was one of those moments that I can't unsee. And it kind of changed everything. I went from being growing up Catholic, having it force fed on me to then being almost like violently atheist, you know, not really violently, but just very atheist to being like, oh, man, maybe there is a bigger thing beyond this. And um, I still kind of grapple with it. And I'm curious for you, what is a mystical experience that still resonates? On the anniversary of my friend's passing, a, a group of us always kind of take some time to go uh, be in nature and, and connect with uh, uh, each other and also, you know, uh, his life. Uh, and a couple of years ago, um, <laughs> we all uh, took a, a heavy dose of psilocybin. Um, we were in interior BC, beautiful cabin in nature, and we're sitting out in the lawn. And um, the majority of the group of my friends were hanging by the fire, kind of you know enjoying each other's company. And I, I found a little spot on the grass to lay down, and and I felt myself kind of sinking into the earth. And at first, I was fighting it. I was like, oh, no, here we go. This is happening. Hang on here. Uh, and eventually, I allowed myself to kind of surrender to the moment. And as soon as I did that, I was looking up at the stars and I saw what could only be a trillion small little red, green, and blue dots moving through everything. And this was the first moment where I, I had the you know, meeting God, seeing God moment that, that is, you know, somewhat common in, in the higher dosing psychedelic experiences. And I just felt this overwhelming presence. And while it was significantly intimidating, um, the presence wasn't something that was outside of me. It was also inside. Of me. And for a moment in time, I understood space and the concept of space. And I could see so vastly into the space, but I could also see the very things very close to me in front of my face. And I realized that my existence, while so small in the grander scale of things, was connected to everything else. And that was 
for me, something that left an impression that still does to this day. And I think when we, you know, fall back on that interconnectedness, it, it, it resonates. It's hard not to feel compassionate and kind when you realize that, you know, whether you're, you're a spiritual individual or not, I think, you know, we can all recognize that there is this baseline connection between all things and not just humans. Uh, and so for me, that has been uh, a memorable experience, one that I'm still kind of integrating as, as one does. Um, but yeah, that's, that's uh, uh, one of those transformational wow moments that I've had to say it out. Well put. Wow. That was beautiful. Thank you for that share. What a lovely way to end the deep dive. Got to transition now to the speed round soul search. Okay, Hisu, question number one. It's Friday night. It's been a long week. You don't want to cook. You just want to unwind. What is your ideal takeout order? Oh, what a great question. <laughs> Love you. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for authentic ethnic cuisine. Uh, I am Korean by nature, so it's, it's probably Korean barbecue of some sort. Korean barbecue. Kaja, baby. Okay. Uh, so, number two, who did you idolize as a child? Oh, man. <laughs> you know, it's going to sound somewhat problematic uh, because his character uh, sometimes is questionable, but Alan Iverson. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> okay, question number three, Hisu. What is the hardest part of high dose journeys on psychedelics? Facing yourself. Yeah, facing yourself. <clears throat> okay, fourth and final question, Hisu. Who is one person that has had a dramatic impact on your career? Gotta shout out Matt Morrison, my late friend and mentor. Same friend you were alluding to earlier? Yeah, taught me about life, taught me about how to treat others respectfully and kindly, how to care for others. Taught me so many things about business that I am forever grateful for. So yeah, Matt Morrison. That's beautiful. Thank you for that share. Okay, Hisu, where can the viewers find you? Calgary, Alberta. <laughs> uh, no, but digitally they can find me at www.sabimind.com. Uh, we're on all social media platforms as well. Savvy Mind, S-A-B-I-M-I-N-D. Um, yeah, you can find me there. Oh, wonderful. Isu, you were fantastic. Thank you for joining the show. It was my pleasure, Ray. Thank you so much. Okay, go check out Savvy Mind and consider a Keta treatment. I have done it. It was a life-changing experience. We are going to be off for a Bill Maher, Kirby Enthusiasm style extended break back in September. Our next guest, Thomas Heath from Fortress and Maps, will be here when we get back. In the meantime, we're going to be spending more time on the soiree. Come join us there and other solo explorers at soiree.com. Thank you for watching this episode of Psychedelic Diaries. I am Ray Christian. See you next time.